Hello, my name is Cynthia, and welcome to the latest episode of Getting Your Together, a podcast where we discuss what it's like to get it all the way together, or at least attempt to, one day at a time. How's everyone out there today? I hope you're having a most amazing day. It's a lovely day here in Brooklyn before I jump into the topic. It's weird. Like I have both anxiety and I'm very peaceful and content. It's like a really, it's like a polarizing emotional pull I'm having, but you know, that's just where I am right now. So I'm just going to kind of roll with it. The topic for today is valuing yourself. It is something that I am continually working on. And I think that's something that you will always work on. I don't think there's a one-stop shop fix for that. I think it's something that isn't cultivated a lot. And I can only speak for black women in the black community because I am black. And I've, I know I've mentioned this before on the podcast. I wasn't taught to really hold myself in high esteem or high anything. Like I said, I love my family, but we were never one to say like, I love you or I'm proud of you or, you know, good job. You did something well or you're so smart or you're so creative. It was never anything like that. I was often told I was wrong or I talk too much or I'm asking the wrong questions. Stop asking so many questions. What's wrong with you? eating too much. Um, why can't you be more like your brother? It's <laughs> I, I have a lot, a lot of things in my background, in my history that has made me always look down upon myself and say, well, why am I this way? Why am I so different? There must be something wrong with me. And I think for the longest time, that caused me to always wonder like what there was about me that was so different, so off-putting. I thought my brother was the favorite. I come from a a family or a lineage of a lot of women. We typically have more girls than we have boys on both sides of my family, actually, both my dad and my mother's side. So they typically like really latch onto the men, think they're the bee's knees and the Within our family, there was always a different dynamic. I could remember just going to like my aunts or my grandmother's houses and, you know, everybody would be like, oh, Chris, Chris, where's Chris? Where's Chris? And even though I was there and it still even happens to this day, I will show up and I'll go and I'll talk and I'll be like, oh, this is happening to me. And they'll be like, oh, that's great. That's wonderful. And then they're like, where's Chris? Why didn't he come? Why didn't he visit? And I used to get really pissed off about that because I'm like, my brother didn't even bother to come down here to see you. I took time out of my day to come see you. And yet you're still asking for him. Like, what the f***? I'm not going to say like, I still don't get that little twinge when that happens. But for the most part, I just let it go because they are just who they are. It is what it is. I do my visit and then I go. And if I feel like I need to get out ahead of time, I don't make any excuses for it. I'm like, all right, this was a good visit. Let me peace out, right? That's kind of like the dynamic. And then within that, like I was always seen as different because especially on my dad's side, there are the, the women are very angry and very domineering and very like volatile from time to time. Not necessarily directly towards my dad. I know that my dad raised me to be very independent minded. I will sing his praises for that to stand on my own. He loved the fact that I didn't really need people, even though the reason why I was kind of like that was <laughs> kind of based on just how I was raised and feeling like I had to rely on myself from a very young age. He looks at that as like a strength. And I can see why it would be a strength too. But that can also be very difficult for people who are used to 
people being able to like assault their point of view or their ideals onto someone because I typically would rebel against that and be like, no, that's not me. That's not what I'm about. As long as I'm respectful, which I was, my parents were very big on that. My dad would always let me speak my mind. Whereas like my brother is easier to like comment. He will go with the flow type of thing. Unless you push him and you hit one of his things and he goes off too. He was, he was a lot more nimble about how to navigate that at a younger age than I was. So they probably, and plus he was a boy. And a lot of black families, black Southern families in particular, I can only speak for mine. They love the men, the boys, the men, all that stuff. And the women, I think we're kind of just made to fend for ourselves a lot. Within the context of that, I really didn't know how to value myself because it was sort of like, I felt like, well, me and Chris, like people prefer him. So there's something wrong with me. No one ever told me like, no, there is nothing wrong with you. What they're doing is not correct. So I always took a lot of that stuff onto my own self. And that kind of wrecked havoc a lot of the time, like it wrecked havoc, you know, with my weight, like I started emotionally eating and hiding and doing all that stuff and then discovered diet pills, like I mentioned in my intro, because I wanted to fit in with all the white kids because I went to all these white, like white schools and I was in these like advanced classes and they already were like, what are you doing here? Why are you using that word? That's not a word. And I'm like, yeah, that's a word. Look it up. I was like, okay, so I can't fit in personality wise or, you know, obviously I'm black. So maybe I can fit, my body can fit the ideal. So I started doing like the diet pill thing and speed and shit like that. That type of thing just kind of manifested in different arenas in my life. If it wasn't food, then it was other pills I was taking. It was binging or it was like, you know, sex in some certain aspects when I was older And then, of course, drinking, which is the one that really is the one that really sank its teeth into me. I think a lot of that was because I just didn't know who I was or what I was or what I wanted to be. I didn't know how to take care of myself or surround myself with people that were supportive and loving and open. So I was just kind of like, I didn't know there was any other way to live or to survive. Valuing yourself, and it's a difference from having high self-esteem, because I think high self-esteem is great can kind of tip into like entitlement um, if you're not aware or, or cognizant of it. But just valuing yourself is something that I love. And it's something that I hold so dear to my heart now. And I think it makes me not only a better person, but a better friend, a better sister, a better daughter, a better everything. Because it's not just about me and elevating myself, which I do, but it's also about the elevation of the other people and being very compassionate and being very open. And I think that's what really defines me because it's not just about everything that I'm doing, but it's also about supporting and holding up other people that are doing really great things or working through things and just being very compassionate and kind. I think I discovered that that was another value of mine that I really love is just compassion and kindness. Because while I love honesty, I think that, you know, that can be really brutal at times. And I like to be honest, but then I also found a lot of safety and support in just being kind. Because you can still tell the truth and be a really kind person. And I think that will help deliver your message better. When it comes to self-value, how does something like that show up? I think it's knowing what you can and cannot tolerate. The types of relationships and friendships that you want to have. The type of life that you want to live. It can be pie in the sky. It can be realistic. It can be whatever you want it to be. Like for me, for example, 
how does it show up for me? I think it shows up for me now by doing this podcast because I would never ever do something like this and really connecting with people. I chair online AA meetings from time to time and I didn't really think that I would love it, but I do. And I think I want to start chairing in person ones eventually. And it's just really just being in there supporting and listening. It's showing up for my friends when they're having a bad day and letting them talk. It's having them show up for me if I'm having a bad day. And I may not want to talk that much, but they're there. It's also when it comes to work, I am a great mentor helping people that even though I don't necessarily want to stay in this or line of work forever, cultivating that in the people that do, seeing what they're good at and what they're not the best at and how that we can tackle that, making feel like they are seen and heard and can make mistakes. Because I feel like a lot of people feel like they can't mess up or they can't fuck up. That's life. You're going to mess up. You're going to fuck up. That's human. You're imperfect. That's totally fine. Just own it and just be okay in it and just learn from it because you will learn. You know, I always thought this was something that I would just not have. I don't know where it comes from. I don't know if it comes from just me and the type of life that I live. I don't know if it's because, you know, I'm a black woman and I was raised in a community and an environment that just didn't support that. Probably a little bit of both. I think as a society, a lot of people, they don't know how to support black women or what we need. Why don't we talk about this? Why don't we try to make it better? Why don't we communicate about it instead of just pushing it aside and or burying it? And I feel like I can only speak to that because I buried this for so much of my life and it always came back. It always comes back. It's never going to go away no matter how much you want it to. I think it took me taking a really hard, long look at myself when I was really hard in like my drinking and just not loving myself, not caring about myself, not valuing the types of relationships that I had. There were two things that really happened for me last year to kind of like seal it for me, right? One was that I have a tendency or I had a tendency for when I'm overwhelmed or overworked or scared or anything to kind of just isolate and hide. I just disappear. I don't want to talk. I don't want to be seen. I don't want you to look at me. It's like really insane and crazy. And I would do that to everyone in my life. Like it could be my dad calling. It could be my brother calling. It could be my best friend. That's a fucked up way to treat people. Like you can't, I mean, the people that care about you can't just disappear. I didn't know any better. But, you know, I had my best friend who checked me on it last year. I actually was really, really concerned because, you know, she was really mad, didn't want to talk to me, was saying how much it hurt her. And I think that shifted like how my value, how I was valuing myself impacted how she valued herself within the confines or the context of our friendship to see that I was hurting somebody. I was hurting because of just stuff that I was going through, how it manifested also impacts people. And I don't think a lot of people realize that, that even if you're going through something, what you're going through is impacting those that are close to you. So she stopped talking to me for a while. And I actually didn't think we would make it out or be friends. But You know, we came back stronger and I think we're in a much, much better and honest place. She had to put that boundary up on me and then I had to really reevaluate what I was doing. And I was like, I can't just do that. I can't just disappear. I can't just shut people down, shut out. That's not healthy. And then my second one that really helped me with the seeing like this whole 
ideal of like self-value, self-care, self-love was like one of my emotional rock bottoms, which is something that people do talk about when it comes to AA or 12-step programs or anything. When it comes to getting clean, I remember waking up from a really bad hangover and situation. I may expand on that in a later episode, but I remember that it was just bad. You know, I didn't remember much. I lost my phone. I was banged up. I was hurting. I was feeling nauseous and sick from all the drinking and the mixing the drinks and, you know, all the other stuff I was doing. I just behaved so poorly. My behavior at this party was not of someone who cared about themselves. It was someone who just wanted to be like, fuck it. I don't care anymore. I'm just going to just crash and burn. I think I actually even went into the party saying like, I'm just going to f*** up. But I came out of it that day. And it's like one of those things where I was sitting in my bed. I sat up. I still had on the dress from the party. And I remember just crying. Like I just cried and cried and cried and cried and cried. And I just don't know if it was God. I don't know what it was that kind of came over me. But they said, but I just realized saying to myself, and I can't remember if I said it out loud, that I can't keep going on like this. Like, this isn't what I want to do. And like, if I keep doing this, it's going to get worse. And I might as well just sign up for a life of misery. And that's not what I want. And I'm going to learn to love myself now, even though I don't know how. And I made that promise to myself then. And that's probably another one of the catalysts that really made me say, I'm going to get clean. I'm going to stop. I don't want it to this to be my story anymore. I think even though it's been almost six, seven months now, it'll be seven months next Thursday, which is when I'll launch this podcast. I'm sure this episode will show up after the first. In all honesty, if it wasn't for that, even though there were like I was in a horrible place, I don't know where I would be. I'll probably be doing the same type of shit, if not worse, you know? And now it's like I'm clear and like I still struggle. I still have my self-doubt. I still have a lot of things, but then it's like I can see them. It does not necessarily apply. I can show up and be a really great friend. I can recommend things to my friends. We can have a level of satisfaction in our relationships that I feel like, you know, I wasn't able to provide or receive because I'm now present more. And I know it's a give and take, you know, it's a give and take. And I think that's what really makes life worth living, makes people feel valued and richer and more connected. And I think I haven't really felt so connected. I have my moments when I feel lonely and alone and stuff like that, which is another thing for another day. But for the most part, I just feel like my vibration or my vibe is so high. It's not just me. It's like I'm picking up this energy from the people around me. And that is amazing. And it's a gift. None of this would be possible without having those moments of saying like, this is not what I want in my life. Everybody gets there when they're supposed to get there. It's not a race. You move forward, there's two steps back. You know, you move forward, two steps back. And then one day you're going to start running and it's going to be, you're going to be like, whoa, this is it. Like, this is what everybody's saying. Like, this is about when it comes to valuing yourself, the things that you want to do. You're going to feel like you're on fire. Your physical well-being is going to feel better. You're going to want to take care of yourself, like the diet and the wellness and exercise. And and I do that all that stuff now, too. You know, I make it like a habit. Am I always on it like I would like to be? No, but I'm also very forgiving. And I'm like, all right, let me reset. Let me dedicate. Let me go forward. It's not about guilting or shaming yourself. 
sometimes I just want to sit on the couch and that's a form of self-care and self you're valuing yourself too, because you just want to just relax and tune out and just be you. But then there's like things like your emotional well-being, figuring out what your values are. And as like I said, like a lot of my values, I didn't discover until I started doing a lot of this work about valuing myself, valuing the relationships I do have in my life and like how we can kind of better each other. I know I've talked about this in prior episodes, but it's like honesty, integrity, respect, kindness, and compassion. Those things matter to me. I look for those in other people. I look to cultivate that within myself to provide to other people. And I feel weird when I'm not valuing that. And before when I used to not value myself or ignore my values, I would feel guilty and shame and anger and all this stuff. And it's like, I didn't know why. I was like, well, that's just life. I'll get over it. But it's like, no, if you're living your life on your purpose, and then if you have people around you that support that and guide you in that, then there's no reason for you to ever feel like you have to sidestep or degrade yourself in order to exist within the day. And I think that's amazing. And it's not from coming from a selfish place. Because I feel like when people, a lot of people say, oh, valuing yourself, putting yourself first, it's like people are automatically on the defense, say, oh, you're being selfish, you're not caring about anyone but yourself. If there's anything that I have discovered, and I have learned, it's like putting yourself first is probably the best thing you could do for anyone that comes in contact with you in your life. If it's bettering you, then it's going to better your life. Within that, that of course will impact the types of relationships you have, the strengthened ones, or get the ones that are not supposed to be necessarily there, like out. It will help you vibe higher. And then everyone else is going to be vibing higher because they're like, yes, we're living up to our purpose. I don't think there's anything wrong with ever truly valuing yourself because you should know what you stand for and what you want in yourself, as well as the people that are around you. Because that's the only way you're going to learn and grow and be happy because we only have this one life. So why not enjoy it as much as you can? Because there's going to be those hard times and those times that you're going to be like, it, what is this? But in the meantime, let's just enjoy it. Let's enjoy ourselves. Let's keep learning and growing. I just felt like having to vibe with you guys a little bit for a moment. But I would like to throw it out to you guys. Like, how do you feel about value? How do you value yourself? The things that you are trying to cultivate within yourself that you may not have the confidence to pursue yet. Why do you think you're holding yourself back? What is it in your past or your present that is making you just hesitate? Once you start taking a step back and just not looking at the the destination, look at where you are currently and where you were before, that would kind of help you put the pieces together of like, oh, this is why. I can't move past this fate. They'll help you be able to break down chunks of things that you can do in order to inch yourself towards what you want. It's not necessarily making jumps and leaps and bounds. And sometimes that happens, but it's just like the little tiny things that you can do for yourself each day, showing up for yourself each day that can really amp up or push you towards the life or the career or the types of relationships that you want. But you just have to really sit and be still and invest that time into yourself. Well, that was a lot, eh? I hope that this resonated with you. If it has, please let me know. If you're ever curious about anything or want me to expand on anything, please reach out to me via Instagram or my email address. And I will always give a shout back. Until next time, have a great day and talk soon. Mm-hmm.